question I'm going to bring to you this morning is from this book. It's called The Sabbath in the New Testament. It's by Dr. Samuel Bakayoki. Is there anybody that does not know who he was? One hand. Okay, for two hand, three, okay. I will read you what it tells you about the author. He has now passed away. I don't remember when, um, but this is what it says. Dr. Samuel Bakayoki is the first non-Catholic to graduate at the Pontifical man, Gregorian University in Rome. He received a gold medal from Pope Paul VI for earning the academic distinction of summa cum laude. He earned degrees also in the U.S. and served as a missionary in Ethiopia. He has authored several bestsellers, which have been favorably reviewed by many scholars. During the last few years, he has conducted seminars in many parts of the world, helping thousands to better understand and experience spiritual realities. And he used to be a professor of church history and theology at Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan. So I will bring you a quick summary of what I have learned from this book. And what is the title of today's message? What does it say in your bulletin? The Forgotten Day. The Forgotten Day. So let us bow our heads as I have a prayer for me, because I need it. Gracious Father in heaven, this is the Sabbath day that you created for us from the beginning of creation. You wanted us to have a rest in you, a rest with you, so that we could renew our lives with you. Lord, as I go over these Bible texts and tell your loved ones here what you have told us through the writers of the Bible, that you send the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in your word. I says in your name. Amen. I have a lot of notes here. Please forgive me. The Sabbath as God's day of rest is understandable from Genesis 1 through Christ's res resurrection in the New Testament. There are numerous Christian denominations that worship on Sunday as the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. Why do they worship on Sunday? Are they correct? Does the Bible support this supposed change from what Jesus gave us on the seventh day of creation before there were any Jews or Gentiles? There are at least three views on Sabbath in the New Testament. The first one, abrogation. The second, transference. And the third, permanence. Let me tell you what each one of them is. The first, abrogation. It is a view based upon an understanding of a radical discontinuity between the Old and New Testament. They believe the Sabbath was temporary, an ordinance given by Moses and abrogated by the coming of Christ. This perceived 
discontinuity is seen between the law and grace, Judaism and Christianity, Old and New Testaments. This view was believed by some of the early fathers, Luther, Anabaptist, Mennonites, Hutterites, leftist Puritans, and Quakers. The transference view is seen as a transferring of Sabbath keeping in the New Testament to Sunday, which developed after Constantine's Sunday legislation in AD 321. This idea was gradually developed during the Middle Ages and was formulated more by Thomas Aquinas, AD 1225 to 1247. Aquinas separated the fourth commandment into two parts. The first one, moral, which is time of worship, and the second, ceremonial, the seventh day. Thus, the moral aspect was kept as Sunday, and the seventh part was abrogated. This view is adopted by the English Puritans, Presbyterians, Congregationalists, Methodists, and Baptists. The permanence view of the New Testament Sabbath is seen as Christ clarifying and enriching it in his redemptive ministry. This view is held historically by Sabbatarians. Throughout Christian history, there have been Sabbatarians in many countries, including the Seventh-day Baptists in England, and then later here in America, they gave the idea to Seventh-day Adventists in 1845. What does the Bible say about Sabbath? We know that Christ died in A.D. 34. When were the books of the New Testament written? That could be a key in understanding the Sabbath. What did they say about the Sabbath being done away with? Bible scholars have studied the books of the New Testament and have been able to guess possible times in which they were written. And where's Ishmael? Do you have my hand out, Mr. Ishmael? Ishmael is going to hand out a small piece of paper, and on this piece of paper, it gives you some of the books of the New Testament, the books that specifically mention the Sabbath by word, and then also added um, two books there. I think the bottom two, Hebrews, and what was the other one there, Ishmael? James. James. Okay. So take a look at that piece of paper. Look on there and decide roughly where 34 comes into that timeline. And then, based upon scholars' guesses, when was the first book of the Bible of the New Testament written? James. Roughly, when was James written? About 48. Actually, here is 45. Sometime between 45 and 62, they think the book of James was written. Unfortunately, James doesn't mention the word Sabbath in it. Um, 
The word Sabbath is not found in every book of the Bible like I just told you. It's only found in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Colossians. And this is according to my Strong's exhaustive concordance. Have you ever seen an exhaustive concordance of the Bible? It's a big book, and it has every word in the, I believe it's the King James Version of the Bible. Okay, depending on which version. Okay, my, I'm pretty sure mine's King James. It was handed down to me from my father-in-law. Um, okay, Christ died on the cross for your sins and mine in AD 34. The earliest book of the New Testament believed to be written is James in AD 45 or later. During the 11 plus years after Jesus' resurrection, you would think that the early church would have known if the Sabbath had been done away with and maybe written much about it. For the change and against it, okay? If they were going to do away with the Sabbath, they probably would have had a lot of discussions, would you think not? So let's see what has been said regarding the Sabbath as recorded more than 11 years after the resurrection of Christ. Now, obviously, we're making assumptions here. Um, maybe the book of James was actually written a little bit later than what they guess at. Okay? If we concentrate on the New Testament books, um, maybe specifically the synoptic, Brother, synoptic Gospels. Anybody know what the synoptic, synoptic Gospels are? Everybody knows what the Synoptic Gospels are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Synoptic Gospels. What do they say about the, uh, the Sabbath after the resurrection of Christ? The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, it would be basically chapter 28 is referencing after Christ's resurrection, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20 and 21, and the entire books Acts through Revelation. All those would be after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? But in actuality, the entire New Testament was written after Christ rose and went back to heaven, was it not? So the entire New Testament should say something about the Sabbath being changed, if it was. In our modern day thinking, it would be very easy to footnote any reference to the Sabbath and say that it had been done away with. Right? How many of you have ever done a research paper and you footnote? Hmm. Why didn't they footnote, or maybe they did? Let's think about this for a moment. Let's say that here in the United States, we decide to change something major, okay? And I picked up a big change. Let's say that we decided to change the side of the road in which we drive on, okay? Maybe that's a little bit bigger than changing one day of the week. But think about that. What would have to take place to change the side of the road that we drive on? 
change of mind? <laughs> Habits? Design of automobiles? So, so just think about that. How, how long would it take, do you think, for the change to take place? And you know, we are going to run out of time. Think of the numerous changes and divide it by seven. Okay? Divide it by seven. Still, it's a, it's a major change, is it not? Um, much would have to be written for, done. There would be pros and cons. There would be people fighting over it, losing their tempers, etc., etc., etc. So let's consider some Bible texts and see what the Bible has to say. Um, who has Mark 2.27? Who has that little piece of paper that's going to read it for us? It's, it's uh, labeled number one. Who did I give that to? Who has Mark 2.27? Was that Rachel? Yeah. Rachel, would you read Mark 2.27 for us, please? Yes, ma'am. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. Thank you, Hilda. The verb made, which in Greek is, in the English word is G-I-N-O-M-A-I, alludes to an original making. An original making. When was the original Sabbath made? In creation. It was not during the time of Moses when the original Sabbath was made. And the word for man, which is anthropos, and I hope I said that right, suggests a human function, which was what God did on the original Sabbath. He rested from his work. Did God need to rest? No. The day was blessed and sanctified. Mark went on to the went back to the original to explain the Sabbath also. He did not go back to Moses. Similarly, Matthew in his book in chapter 19 verse 8 also goes back to the original marriage and creation to define marriage because it had been corrupted by sin in Moses' day. These two authors, Matthew and Mark, felt it was important to go back to the original that God had made. To go back to the original, not go back to what something Moses had done. 
Um, card number two. Someone's going to summarize John 5, 1 to 17. Who has that one? Thank you, Ishmael. What is the summary of John 5, 1 through 17? Would you, do you still have your Bible open to that? Yeah. Would you read verse uh, 17, please? Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this day, to this very day, and I too am working. According to, thank you very much, Ismail. My father has been working until now, and I have been working until, uh, I have been working. Until now, refers to the inauguration and culmination of God's working, a beginning and an end. The first Sabbath in Eden and the final Sabbath when redemption will be concluded. God the Father and Jesus are always working for the salvation of souls. Christ, by alluding to the creation Sabbath to justify the legitimacy of his redemptive ministry performed on that day, provides an implicit endorsement of its Edenic origin. Okay. We will have to do some skipping. Um, everybody uh, get your Bibles, and we're going to look at Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 11. Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to turn it to myself right here. I'm going to read it since we're short on time. Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest remains... Let us fear lest any of you be judged to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the mercy which they heard did not benefit them because it did not meet with faith in the hearers. For we have believed, enter that rest, as he has said. As they swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest." although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place he said, 
they shall never enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disbelief or disobedience, again he sets a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later of another day. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever enters God's rest also ceases from his labors as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, that no one fall by the same sort of disobedience. Okay. Keep your Bible open. In verse 1, Paul seems to be speaking about a present time, entering into. Why would we come short of a promised rest if this verse intended to mean a rest when we all are in heaven? It's something that was going on now when Paul wrote it. Verse 2, faith is required to enter into God's rest. In verse 3, enter into, in the Greek, is placed in the beginning of the sentence to emphasize the present reality of the rest experience. Present reality. Verse 6, unbelief will cause you not to enter into the rest that God wants you to have. Verse 9, Verse 9, the word remaineth, and I'm not going to repeat the Greek, means to be left behind. Therefore, a Sabbath rest is left behind for God's people. Something is left. The Sabbath rest is left behind for God's people, people that choose to believe in Him. Rest in Greek is sabbatismos a term for Sabbath-keeping which is used only once in the New Testament and also in post-canonical literature. Jesus died on the cross and the sacrificial system came to an end, but the Sabbath rest remained. Verse 10, Christian Sabbath-keeping is ceasing from his own works. Christian Sabbath-keeping is ceasing from our own works, in verse 10. The Sabbath is part of the gospel which will bring us rest by faith and believing. If the Sabbath was done away with, how does that affect the rest in God that the believer is supposed to have, pointing back to creation? If the Sabbath was nailed to the cross, it would have been so easy to say so here. People have used the writings of Paul to claim that his converts were under no obligation to observe the seventh-day Sabbath. They claim Paul's attitude toward the law is that he rejects it as a means of salvation, but holds it as a moral standard for Christians. Many Christians today claim that Paul abrogated the principle and practice of Sabbath-keeping. Let's see what he really says. 
remember the historical significance of his education. A um, couple quarters back, we learn where Paul received his education. Basically, two places. Which was the first place he received his education? Okay. His church. He had the best education he possibly could get to begin with, right? Then who was his second instructor, professor, doctor? Uh, let's, let's leave. Who was his second basic educator? No, the second one. Who's it? Who's it? Come on. I heard it over here. Say it louder. Jesus. Paul received basically two forms of education from his religious system and from Jesus. Okay? So remember where Paul got his education from. Jesus had to reteach him. Three years. Hmm. How long does it take us? Turn in your Bibles to, well, let's see. Yeah, I want to go over this one. I had much more planned for today, but I don't think we're going to find it all. Colossians 2. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians 2, verses 14 through 17. Colossians 2, verses 14 through 17. Actually, we're going to start earlier in verse uh, 11. We're going to go over. Um, I will comment about what was in the verses, but we won't have time to read each verse and read the whole over the entire section. But you can be scanning as I mention each verse. Colossians 2, verses like 11 through 17, is a famous verse that you'll hear other people say that the Ten Commandments were done away with, including the, the Fourth Commandment, saying it was just nailed to the cross. Unfortunately, they need to do some more in-depth Bible study to come up with that answer or that interpretation. To emphasize the fullness of Christ's forgiveness, Paul uses here three ideas. One is a circumcision of heart in verse 11. Two, he uses baptism, being raised from the dead in verse 12. And four, handwriting of ordinances in verse 14. Paul used the word, hmm, Chariographon for handwriting of ordinances. What is this handwriting of ordinances? Is it the Mosaic law? Some people say it is. The word for law is not used once in Colossians, so it probably can't be the Mosaic law, can it? Chariographon is only 
once, used once in Scripture, and it is used here in verse 14. When chariographon was used in Apollo, let's see, Apollo, I'm sorry, I can't say this very well, Ap apocalyptic literature, okay, say it again, that one. It is used to indicate, does anybody know? Has anybody read this before? In, in other literature, this particular word is used to indicate a record book of sins. A record book of sins or certificates of indebtedness, but not the moral or ceremonial law. This view is supported by verse 14, which says, took it out of the way. Um, Dr. Bakyoki mentions, it also could be interpreted, took it out from the middle. I thought that was really interesting. I have a layman's parallel Bible with four versions of the Bible. None of them said about taking it out of the middle. So guess what I did? I text my daughter and I asked her on this particular text, what does the Greek say? So she went and looked it up in her Greek Bible. And she supported what Dr. Bakayogi said. Took it out from the middle. Something is in the middle, this record book of sins, and it gets taken out of the middle. What is that? What is in the middle? The middle position in court was taken up by the accusing witness. Do we have an accusing witness? What accuses us? The record book of our sins. Paul shows us how complete the forgiveness of our sins are by Christ dying on the dying our death upon the cross. What does verse 15 says? I put a note down here. Verse 15, I'll read it from the RSV. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. Christ is Christ has shown to Satan that God's law and love for mankind, what it is like. All this was done openly to the entire universe to know what God's love is like. To read into these verses that the Ten Commandments were nailed to the cross is a gross misinterpretation of the plan of salvation and what Paul has shown to us. In verse 16, it mentions Sabbath days. What is Paul saying here? How do we interpret it? Was Paul warning against the false teachers, judging how Christians were to observe these practices or regulations or these practices? The phrase, let no man therefore judge you, implies that the judging of the one doing it is wrong, not the practice in itself. The Greek word for Sabbath in this location that Paul used is sabaton, 
referencing the seventh day, but it has also been used in other locations where it would reference the entire week. So you can't necessarily say it means the Sabbath only. Paul is supporting Sabbath keeping, not doing away with it. In verse 17, some versions um, use the, have the word these. I think there was, in my layman's parallel Bible, only one of the versions had these in it. These, there's a Greek equivalent. And some people are hung up over what it actually means. Does it refer to the regulations put up on them by the false teachers or the practices? Um, Dr. Samuel Bakayoki suggests that it refers to the regulations brought about by false teachers. Paul is not speaking against practices, which includes the Sabbath in this location, but those who place additional regulations on them. have just a little bit more. Um, you guys can give me another five minutes, can't you? Yes? Okay, great. Um, for, for card number five, who has that? From Matthew 12, 1 to 8. Manuel, would you summarize that for us, please? Okay. You guys remember what Jesus? Go ahead, Manuel. Okay. If you look on that card in front of you, uh, Matthew possibly wrote during what time frame? Sixty to ninety A.D. That is 26 plus years, give or take, after Christ's death on the cross. Christ spoke here. Um, Jesus could have easily, or, or Matthew could easily have added the lack of Sabbath observance here. It would have been really easy, right? Because he talked about other things here, how the Sabbath was profaned. But it would have been really easy to just sneak a little footnote in there, but, you know, the Sabbath is no longer valid, or it was done away with, or nailed to the cross, or something. But he didn't. But he did comment about the Pharisees' false belief how the Sabbath was to be kept. Okay? Um, who can read for me Matthew 24, 20? Who has card six? Stephen. 
Okay. Remember, Matthew was written between 60 and 90 A.D., probably not after 70 A.D. Because what happened in, to Jerusalem in 70 A.D.? Okay. So sometime be, before Matthew wrote, and he was quoting what Jesus said, and Jesus talked about a future Sabbath many years into the future, thinking about Jerusalem and when it was going to be sacked. And what was he telling the Christians to pray about? That it wouldn't, wouldn't be winter on the Sabbath. Jesus was expecting his followers to still be Sabbath keepers in 70 A.D. Um, card number seven. Who's going to read Luke 23, 54 to 56? Is that you, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> it was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment. On the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. Okay, two things here. Luke is telling us the respect that these women had about the Sabbath. Many, many, many years after Christ died on the cross. Okay? It would have been really easy to put a little footnote here, but, you know, we don't have to keep Sabbath anymore. They did back then, but we don't have to now. Did that take place? No. no. Maddie, do you have the last one? Acts 17.2 And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. So, what did Paul do on the Sabbath day? He went to the synagogue. As I was reading here in uh, Dr. Bakayoki's thesis here, or whatever you want to call it, People, for a long time after Christ's death, there was two groups in the synagogues, the Christians and the Jews. And it came to the point where they had to do some separating. But, and I don't remember what year it was. I challenge you to go look it up. But it was a long time afterwards. There was no hint. There's nowhere in the New Testament about the Sabbath being done away with. So just remember, if you try hard enough, and if you just look on the surface of things, you could easily excuse a lot of things. But the Bible doesn't talk about the Sabbath being done away with. It doesn't talk about it being nailed to the cross. What was really nailed to the cross? Our sins. Christ took our sins upon himself. Um, for further study, a person can go through the entire New Testament and evaluate the word or words used for law, ordinances, 
or first day of the week, or commandments to gain a further, further, further knowledge on this topic. I give you a challenge to do that. You'll learn a lot. I learned a lot just reading this book by Dr. Bakayoki. May God bless you as you study and read his word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for this Sabbath that you gave us a rest, a small memorial of the creation that you made for us, but something to look forward to, to the rest that you'll give us when you take us home with you. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercies. I say this in your name. Amen. Amen.